0: Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely? Longing for heaven's home. When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. I know it. And he watches you. He's watching over his church all over the world. And he is longing for you and I to know something and experience something called his peace. Welcome to a series called Locked into Peace from the book of Philippians. This is message number three. One of the pathways into the peace of God is through trusting his providence. That's what we're gonna look at today. So would you join me one more time and let's ask the Lord to meet us right where we are. He knows where you are. He knows you by name. He knows me too. He knows us all. Let's talk to him this morning. Lift up our hearts. Father God, We thank you that through Jesus you've made a way for us, whether we're near or whether we're far, rich or poor, happy or sad, broken or blessed, to come into your presence and find what we have need of. Some of us need forgiveness. Some of us need to be lifted up in our heart. Some of us need to be set free. Some of us need the storm to cease. And some of us need to find peace As the storm continues, open the eyes of our heart, open our ears to hear what your spirit would show us and say to us in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to our starter scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, where Paul invites us on a journey with him. He says this, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do... And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace with us. How does that happen? Today we're going to look at how Paul found a pathway to peace by trusting in the providence of God. Great scripture that many of us know is in Philippians 4.19 when Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here is a man imprisoned, locked up, awaiting trial, and possible execution, which would eventually happen. Although when he's writing to his friends, he's holding out hope. He says that through their prayers and the spirit of Jesus Christ, he will still magnify Christ in his body, whether in life or death. That's peace. He's thinking with a great grace mindset. It's set on God's providence and therefore he's at peace. So many things are out of Paul's control. He's just been told that there are some out there preaching with bad motives to the churches, seeking to seize the vacuum of Paul's absence. And knowing that, he's still at peace. Why? God's providence. He says he might be poured out like a drink offering soon. A brilliant, yet sorrowful metaphor to describe his possible execution. Yet he's at peace. Why? God's providence. Paul is a logical man. His faith is filled with reason that has now been set on fire by the revelation of the incarnation of all truth. He's met Jesus Christ. So Paul thinks, with the goodness of God to desire my highest welfare, the wisdom of God to plan my purpose, and the power of God to achieve it, what do I lack? Nothing. Why? God's providence. Why should I be gripped with worry? Why should I be paralyzed by my fear? I shouldn't. Why? God's providence. So this message is about the peace of God that comes from joining Paul on this path, the path of knowing and trusting the providence of God. Providence. God's providence. It's an attribute. In other words, it's a characteristic of God that is eternal and unchangeable. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. That comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Great men of God and women of God throughout history have tried to explain God's providence. And some, I think, do masterfully just as those who crafted the words I just read to you. But Jesus made it simple, and that's why I sang the song I sang, because Jesus described God's providence very simply like this. He said this, look at the birds. Look at the birds. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? They? Oh, you of little faith. In other words, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the itty-bitty baby in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Providence. Trust God's providence, have God's peace. Providence. It means in God's big story, God's big promises, and God's personal touches, give us reason to be at peace. So I want you to use your mind in the truths of Scripture, and it will be easier for us in these times not to lose our minds. One author, and you know, I I hope you would read everything he wrote, by the way, says it like this. A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, says, The man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. God's ability to meet our needs is only. Now think about this. We have needs. And God's ability to meet our personal needs is only the smallest part of the revelation of his great providence. So if you have a troubled mind and heart that seems to be overtaking you concerning whether your needs will be met, I want you to look up and look with me into the bigger picture of God's great providence. Because God's providence has been from eternity, in time, through eternity, and then it will just be getting started. Let's look at the big story. God's providence over nature. God's providence over the nations. God's providence over the nativity and the forever new. God is over all nature. The Bible says in Genesis 8, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night, shall not cease. Why? God's providence. Here's another in Psalm 145. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Why? Nature is in the providential care of its creator's hands but so are the nations. Here's what Psalm 22 says. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. How about the nativity? Think about this. 700 years Before Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, Isaiah the prophet said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. God says, do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? How many times did Satan attempt to destroy the Messianic line through the centuries prior to Isaiah prophesying those words, and centuries after. Yet, Paul said, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. See, even the nativity happened because of God's providence. And you know what? He has declared that he will provide for his own until Jesus comes again and makes forever new, and then God will still be revealing his providence. Revelation chapter 21, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, And I think that means new upon new upon new upon new upon new upon new. It won't just be new. It'll be new upon new and new upon new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Why? Because almighty God is faithful to provide and keep his promises through his providence. Providence. One of my favorite writers and pastors and preachers is Chuck Swindoll, and he sums it up this way. So take heart, my friend. God is in full control. Nothing is outside the scope of his divine radar screen as he guides us safely home. Nothing touches us that has not first passed through his hands. Nothing is outside God's divine radar screen as he guides us safely home. Big picture of God's providence. So let's go back to the prison with Paul. And let's get closer home with him. Here's this peace-filled man in a dungeon, locked up, awaiting execution, yet locked into God's peace, Why? Because his Lord is in control. He's at peace. And he calls us to the same. He said, whatever you see, do this. God of peace be with you. In other words, God is taking care of him. God is taking care of the church. God is taking care of the Philippians. And he wants to take care of the Cumberlonians. Wherever you are whoever you are. So how can we be assured of God's providential care over our lives? Well, Paul says, join my three practices for each of us by the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll experience the peace of God by trusting his providence. Let me tell you what those three are. Number one, providence is about getting personal with Jesus. Do you see what we have there for you as you watch on, this, on, the, on the detailed point You see the number 36? There's a reason for that number there. That's how many times Paul uses the word Christ in the letter to the Philippians. Four chapters, 36 times Paul says the word Christ. He's making a point. It's a point that is this. Peace comes through trusting God's providence and providence, God providing in our lives is about getting personal with Jesus. Verse 21 he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, Jesus wasn't just Paul's savior. Jesus was Paul's life. How about to us? To live is what? My life is all about what? Paul says, You want to have the providence of God? Get real personal with Jesus. Paul says, to me, there is no me outside or apart from Christ. Jesus and I are inseparable. Want to live under God's providence your whole life long? Let your life be like mine. It's hidden with Christ in God. What you find out reading Paul is this. Jesus doesn't follow bondservants around. Bondservants follow Jesus around. Jesus isn't about joining our plans. Remember, Jesus is the author and finisher. Saul wasn't pursuing Jesus. Saul of Tarsus was not pursuing Jesus. Jesus was pursuing him. Jesus died for Paul before Paul was ever willing to die for Jesus. The reason Paul's mission statement wasn't a mission statement and it was a man was because the man Christ Jesus created a genesis from mercy and forgiveness and poured that into Paul and from that moment on he was marked with the cross. When Saul was an unbelieving violent mess of a religious zealot, that looked holy, he wasn't. But when Jesus took hold of him, turned him around, turned his heart around, gave him a heart, the rest of his life, Jesus became his mission statement. For to me, to live is Christ. And to be honest, to die would be gain. Why? Because I'd be with Jesus. Paul didn't desire to be a part of any organization or any ism or any anity. (laughs) In other words, remove Christ from Christianity and you might as well join the three stooges. For to know him is to love him, and to know him is life, and not knowing him is no life at all, even in Christianity. And those who know him best love him most. How can people know Jesus and not love him? It happens all the time. Jesus said to the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation, I, I know you all. I know you deeply. Your doctrine's perfect. You have perfect discernment. You can tell the difference between a true blonde and a fake. No, that's not in your Bible. I that's just, I just one you're paying attention. You can tell the difference between a true, a true apostle and a false one. You work hard, yet I have this against you. You've fallen from a great height. Well, what height? You don't love me now the way you used to. You don't love me now the way you used to. It doesn't show up because you're busy in God. You're in the anity. Remember from where you've fallen. So it would be like saying, Jesus, I don't know how I fell out of love with you. Being a preacher, a missionary. Knowing what I know, I don't know how I fell out of love with you because you've been nothing but good to me, but I have. Jesus, I'm sorry. Please bring me back to first love. As I was writing this, this thought came to me. How do you fall back in love with Jesus? I I think I know how, here. Get alone with Jesus. Start telling him how much you love him and you'll remember how much you love him. Providence is about getting personal with Jesus, and that first leads to the second. Providence number two is about giving your all to his purpose. He says in verse 20, now as always, now, right now in my life, as always, back and forward, now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Look at the word now. Now, now. Here's the question for me and you. How is our right now? Not what once was or what I hope to be, but right now. Here's his now, here's his yesterday, here's his tomorrow. And it came from the first one, personal, personal with Jesus. As always, Christ will be exalted. See, here's the thing. The highest priorities in my life are practiced, not just proclaimed. Love leads to Loyalty. A call for loyalty doesn't absolutely get it. But love leads to loyalty. And Paul's love for Jesus created a forever and always loyalty to Jesus. Exalting Jesus whether by life or death. And they're just two of the points. But a cord of three strands, a cord of three strands can't be broken. Here's the third point about trusting his providence. Third, providence is about staying up close with people. Someone told me one time after going through a couple miles of bad road in the church experience, I could really do ministry well if I didn't have to deal with people. (laughs) It's the rub that can just get to you, man. Hmm? Guess what I found out in the church and out of the church? Nobody's perfect. And everybody's way from close to being perfect. Providence is about staying up close with people. Here's what Paul said. In Philippians 1, 18 to 19, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Remember last week, he's rejoicing in his heart because the people are in his heart, not the problems of the people, but the people are in his heart because Jesus' affection has has taken over Paul's emotions and Jesus' affection is what is bursting in his heart. And he's rejoicing. He goes, for I know that your prayers, your prayers, not just my prayers, your prayers, Paul asked others to pray for him. Wouldn't you want Paul to pray for you? Paul asked them to pray for him. Your prayers and God, look, look at the balance between God and man here. For, and how, God is, how God provides. There's a lot about providence that we miss because we're not close enough with people. He says, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Notice the balance involved when it comes to how God provides for us. Heaven's hands and the hands of human beings. Yeah. Heaven's hands and the hands of human beings. Look at the balance. Providence is about staying up close with God's people. See, God chooses to use people to release measures of his providence for people. It doesn't all come in alone time with the Spirit and God. It comes from that sometimes and other times. It comes from being with the people of God. Back to chapter 4, verse 10, where we ended last time. We're going to go there again and begin to end. I said begin to end next time. This time. What time? Verse 10 of chapter 4, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. What is showing? That's, give, that's being used by God to release God's providence. But you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Look, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But verse 14 comes after and look what he says, yet. You see, uh, I've got this personal thing with Jesus and his strength is, is strengthening me, yet. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Why did not he just pray it down? Have it all just drop right down. Special delivery, Gabriel to Paul. no up close with people. Verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. In other words, Paul's saying, when you reach out and you bless my life because I'm a person in the purpose of God, full strength, hell or high water, life or death, and you and you support me, your, your, your heavenly bank account is, is, is com- compounding interest defined by God's touch, oh man. That's what Paul says. Verse 18, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. What are they? They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. LOH church. Some of you I see every week here. Some of you I haven't seen, except watching what you're doing on Facebook, doing your doing doing life, doing life well, enjoying it. And I want to say to all of you who fit this description God, God's provision will stay constant over your life if you're this kind of person. L.O.H. friends, you who offer up 10% of your income to the Lord and his work through your church, L.O.H., the tithe which belongs to the Lord, you, do you know what you're doing? You're supporting a married couple that's translating the scriptures into a language of people in South America so they can understand the words of Jesus. You're strengthening and and supporting preachers who are preaching to the Muslims in D.C., preaching to the Muslims in the Arab world secretly, Can't name the name of the missionary now and can't say where they're at. But you are supporting them. You're supporting servants of God in Asia, in South America, Europe, Africa. And here's what you need to know. In heaven someday, in the forever new, you will meet people in heaven someday who met Jesus because of you. You didn't lead them, but you supported the one who did. You will meet people who grew stronger in Jesus because of LOH money that supported missionaries who are somewhere else that I can't even say publicly. And they're growing stronger in their faith in real persecution because you supported the work through the church Your hard-earned, God-given money. God's providence, God's money through your hands strengthens and supports God's servants around the world through you. And God will not miss one dollar you gave from your heart, hard-earned money, you did it because God gave you your job and you decided because God blessed you to make his name known, his servant supplied, and his love revealed. Take heart. Your God, my God, Paul's God, will supply all your needs by his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. now, forever. Amen. God's big story, God's big promises and God's small touches give us reason to be at peace. How do you do it? You get real personal with Jesus. To me to live is Christ. You give your all to his purpose. Christ shall be magnified. Young man, young woman, You're you're ready to set sail. You're You're ready to make decisions about career choice, about your future. Here it is. Whatever it is, let it unfold. Let it be revealed out of this mission statement. For to me, Christ will be exalted in my body. If that's your mission, to know him and to love him or to fall back in love with him. And here's the other thing. He's never fallen out of love with you, never. Before you knew him, he loved you to death on the cross. But do you want things to unfold in your path like a, like a soulmate, a helpmate, suitable? Rib to rib, bone to bone? Find them on the mission of pursuing Jesus Christ. Don't make that your life mission, or you'll probably miss it. Don't get off and exit and promise to get back on. There's many people over my 30-some years of being in the ministry that I've watched take 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 a ramp off thinking it was a blessing, and they never came back. Keep Christ in your heart first, in love for Christ. Get personal with Jesus. Give your all to his purpose and get close with God's people. What kind of God's people? The kind of God's people that talk like I'm talking right now and living what I'm talking. Find out about a need and meet it. Give generously to God's people. Get up close and personal with people. Have an Apophroditus in your life, a Timothy, a Silas, a Barnabas. And this, collect a record of God's providence in your life and tell your stories. Start collecting memory stones. Journal them. Why? Tell your kids. Tell your grandkids. Tell your family and your friends. In my view, one of the best ways to open people up to Jesus is by telling them how he's provided for you. You want to see the hand of God's providence at work in you and through your life? Fall in love with Jesus. Make him your mission statement. Then he'll be magnified and exalted in your life by life or by death. And be up close and personal with him and with the people of God. And watch God do amazing things. I, wanna, I, I have so many, so many stories. I'll tell you two real quick. I was a young assistant pastor at church, I had two kids. My son was just born. And through um, unfortunate circumstances of relationship within the church, um, I was given a deadline to find another church. And the deadline was short. It wasn't of anything that I did wrong. I still to this day don't understand it because I feel like what I was doing was right. And we had to eventually walk out into nowhere with no job. And I came home from the office one day at lunchtime, and on my back deck on the door was a white envelope that just said Pastor Tim. And I opened it up to find a thousand dollars of cash and a passage of scripture from Proverbs chapter number eight which from 1991 to today is one of the top scriptures that I purpose in my life. It talks about the blessing of a one who will, who will seek God's wisdom daily and watch for it at his gates. Whoever gave me that $1,000 gave me something more valuable than that. That nugget of scripture that's been a true north scripture in my traveling bag for three decades. Another time, I was in, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, on top of Stone Mountain, and was going through a very, very difficult time in my life, to the point, even as a pastor, that I wondered if God knew where I was, and I, before God Almighty, I'm gonna tell you the truth. It's a true story. I was up on top of Stone Mountain, nobody was there but me, which is a miracle right then. I had a piece of paper in my pocket. I was very discouraged and I wrote on the piece of paper because I had in my head the song, He Hides My Soul in the Cleft of the Rock And and the whole place was rocky on top and all these little clefts. I literally sat down, sat down, couldn't have been any more discouraged and I wrote on the paper, God, do you know where I am? Folded it, stuck it in. Sat there for maybe a minute. My cell phone rings and one of my dear friends that I had very little contact with since 1980-something, and this was around 2010 or 11. He says, is this Tim McGregor from Southeastern days? I'm like, yeah. He tells me who it is, and he says, I just have not been able to get you off my mind for a couple days, and I'm supposed to tell you, God knows where you are. That's a true story. I've never, even been, I've never been worthy to even wash a shoelace of the Apostle Paul's. I, I weird out, freak out, even preaching about Paul from a pulpit. I'm, I'm not even in the universe with him. But for some reason, when you answer God's call on your life, and I don't mean a call to preach. I just mean a call. Listen, I just mean a call to be his and his alone, no matter what. Hell or high water, life or death. Brother to brother, life and death. Because he's different than we are. He will go way farther than a long way for you. Young man, young woman, Listen you'll never outserve God you'll never outgive God you'll never outsacrifice God he'll always more than one up you coming back to you and you know what you'll do with it you won't feel worthy to receive it and you'll feel like you don't deserve it and you'll want to cast that thing at his feet because God is that good trust His providence, person to person with Jesus, all about his purpose and quit asking him to bless yours and covenant bond yourself to the imperfect body of Christ. A.W. Tozer says this and I close. God's looking for people through whom He can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only things we can do by ourselves. But not Paul. And not my friend Pat in Padova, Italy. Not Donna and Steve. Not my friends in Africa or those translating scriptures in the jungles of South America, Are my dear friends pouring their souls out, counting the cost to get the gospel into the Muslim world unnamed. To live as Christ. Christ shall be exalted in my body. I am partnering up close with God's people And because of that, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, there are people listening to this message, watching it, and you're reminding them to come back, to come back to come back to that altar, to come back to that place where you lit the match and they fell in love with you, Jesus. There was no compromise then. Temptation couldn't even talk. The world was dead to them. They only had eyes for you. Nothing could quench it yet they find themselves where they are. In that Ephesians church that's doctrinal and doing, but fallen from a great height. Thank you that you love those you talk to about such things. And I pray that that person and those people, many of us, I've been there, would go find a place of quiet and start telling Jesus how much you love him and you know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will help you remember that you do and you'll be right back saying, to live as Christ. God, I pray that no one would take a side road, a quick fix, think they can pass through grades. I pray for people to walk out the purpose Alone and with, I pray for people to be convinced today that they need to have covenant bonds of brotherhood and sisterhood in the imperfect, never gonna be perfect body of Jesus Christ. May God bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine on you and may he give you Peace.